0: Welcome to International Podcast Month, or IPM. IPM 2020 is brought to you by the organizational team, Anne, Cole, Tess, and Theron. A very special thank you to all of our participants, without whom this event wouldn't be possible. And now, on to the episode.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of an actual play for International Podcast Month. I am Landon. I use he, him pronouns. And you can find me from over at Shadows of St. Fleur, where we play Urban Shadows. But in this episode, we're going to be playing Masks. Do everybody else like to go ahead and introduce themselves?
2: Hi, I'm Alice Kira. I use she, her, and fae, fair pronouns. And you can find me on Unlabeled AP, which is a Masks actual play podcast.
3: I'm Graham. I am a player on the Roll Less Taken podcast. We play a bunch of different games. At the moment, we're still recording Apocalypse World, but we'll probably be playing something else by the time this actually hits the air. We haven't figured out what yet, though. And I use uh, he, him pronouns.
4: I am Adam. I use he, him pronouns. I am the DM over at Microphones and Monsters. It is a Cthulhu Mythos D&D podcast.
5: I'm Rashika. I am the Submissions Editor over at Radio Drama Revival. She, her pronouns. And this is my first RPG.
6: Wow, I don't know how to top somebody's first RPG game. But I am Kyle. and I use he, him pronouns from Tavern Tales.
1: As I said earlier, today we are playing Masks A New Generation, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse tabletop role playing game that is published by magpie games where we all play well except me because i'm gming but we all play teenage superheroes so we're going to go ahead and dive right into who everybody's characters are so the format I'd like to follow here is to have you all tell us what playbook you're playing, and then uh, start telling us about your character. What's their name? What's their superhero name, abilities, and most importantly, what is their backstory? Alice, would you like to start us off?
2: So I will be playing the newborn playbook. My character's name is EM Delta Corvi, aka Emma, aka Corvus. They use she and they pronouns. They look vaguely facsimile of a human, except they are also purple and they also don't have a mouth. Instead, she has a moving waveform that matches when she is talking and is usually wearing a light sundress and... Floppy hat, because like clothes is the most she can manage to not fall through her body because she has the abilities of elemental form. She is constructed out of electromagnetic waves and fantastic elasticity. Since her body is not really defined by biology, she can reshape it as she needs to. Her backstory is she was a wave of strange electromagnetic energy coming from the star Delta Corvi was registered by a new telescope created by Dr. Alex Thea, and then interacted weirdly with the supercomputer that she was using to study the stars and the convalescence of the radiation and the supercomputer's own prototype simulated intelligence created a freestanding self-actualizing entity, which is phenomenal and kind of magical outside of the team i have caretakers dr alex thea and her wife dr euphemia i'm either looking after or they're looking after me all humans are just phenomenally fascinated by food they go through tremendous lengths to make their food pretty when they're just gonna shove it in their mouth and swallow it and also they will eat things that don't taste good or even hurt and it's
3: So weird. I am playing the Reformed Playbook. My character's name is Jane Sample, which is probably a pseudonym, but she is not telling the team anything more than that. When she was a villain, and she still trades under the same name, she was known as Vitriol. It's sort of a desert theme going on, so kind of bright technicolor eyes, sort of a tannish skin, and wearing sort of concealing clothes with sort of a tattered survive-in-the-desert kind of look. Her powers are geokinesis and acid control, and she has a small tank of uh, sulfuric acid on her back that she can shoot out through uh, tubes that come out on her wrists. Her background is that she was an eco-terrorist prior to being a hero, and originally mentored by a villain known as Loveless. Ada Loveless, who was pulled through a warp, realized that humanity has not really done anything with the Stuff that she invented when she was actually contemporary and uh, thinks that the world could be better with her help. Learned everything I know about supervillainy from her and decided to try and save the planet by blowing up a bunch of automated oil wells. I was also told that the refinery that those oil wells all went to was automated and had planned a big showdown with some superheroes to kind of blow up those oil wells and the automated refinery, but it turned out the refinery had not yet been automated and the company was lying about it, and I managed to save the refinery and all the people. (laughs) A couple of the oil wells still blew up, though, but everybody was okay there. And I joined the team because somebody helped me see the error of my ways.
4: And I'm playing Jim Haynes. He goes by Viper. He's a protege, doesn't have any superpowers, but uh, he's been trained. So he is white, he's got an athletic body, just wears casual clothes normally, but he has a very colorful bright green, bright yellow, and black costume. He has detective skills and possible fighting skills. And he was trained by his mentor, the Cobra. And his mentor's ability, it's different than his, was intimidation and fear. He first met the Cobra, he found out his secret identity and ended up saving him. After his family was murdered, he, he swore to to protect the weak and uh, he figured if he could get the, the Cobra to train him, that was his best bet of being able to do anything. The Cobra agreed to train Viper because I, I constantly proved myself, and I was very, very persistent. The only person outside of the team that knows about my training and my secret identity is my best friend, Morgan. And why do I care about the team? Whether trying to redeem for their past or trying to find their place in the world, everyone deserves to be a part of a team, and I want to help every one of them in whatever way I can with the training I received.
1: What label does your mentor embody, and what label does your mentor deny?
4: My mentor embodies superior And denies Mundane.
5: Beautiful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm playing the Janus playbook. My character's name is Joy Acharya. She, her. Her superhero name for the moment is Left Field. And in terms of looks, she's Indian, uh, black hair, brown eyes. She dyes her eyebrows a new color every school year. They're currently blue. Pretty normal clothing, which is like the stereotypical lesbian couture, which at least in my area is like You know, super, like, flashy printed shirts that are, like, collared and, like, tucked in high-waisted and belted and, like, jean jackets and patches. That's, like, her vibe. And then her costume is really flashy. It's bright yellow, but with a featureless mask. Her abilities are energy absorption, but the more she absorbs, the faster she has to release it or it'll overwhelm her. So the way she can release it is her other power which is substance mimicry of organic material this allows her to sort of take the form of other organic based things which includes other human beings but it's not refined enough where she could perfectly replicate someone she can't like become someone's clone she would look enough not like herself to be not recognized by anyone who doesn't know her super well but the same applies in reverse so if you knew the person she was Copying really well, you would know that Joy was not that person, but also just the more the more complex the chemical structure of whatever She's mimicking the more energy it takes and then her final power is just impossible mobility Which helps with the transformations because they're not painful or anything So her backstory goes like this during a softball game a ball went past the outfield into like this little woodsy patch right outside by the school she went for the ball, realized it was coming in much faster and harder than it should be, and took the hit to the head. She kind of blacked out for a bit. When she was finally able to get up, one of her teammates had come looking for her and like kind of caught her glowing really bright, but really quickly it faded away. They didn't really talk about it. They just kind of made eye contact, realized the softball was like lying a few feet away, and took it back and went back to the game. But something that's kind of been eating at her is that they picked up the softball, so what hit her it wasn't that, and she still doesn't know. She keeps her secret identity originally because she was afraid someone might target her family. She has two twin brothers especially that are younger than her and she's super protective of them. As she's gotten further into this superhero thing, she's also realized that she could get in trouble for using her heightened physical abilities on her sports team. It's not anything that she can control, but she wants to go for an athletic scholarship and that's not the kind of thing that she thinks colleges will understand. Outside of the team, her softball teammate that found her when she was there obviously knows about her abilities. Joy is kind of afraid that it's going to push them apart. She hasn't really talked to her about it because no one else really knows. She's, I guess, that would be the person who thinks the worst of her masked identity. Although that's kind of Joy projecting. She doesn't really know because she hasn't talked about it. And I think she would care about the team because this is her first place where she feels like she really belongs. And she feels like she wants to be able to do good. And this is like the way to do it. And these people are all really cool. And so she kind of looks up to them. She's kind of got these obligations because I'm playing the Janus. So her younger twin brothers, she takes care of them when her mom can't. She's on the, uh, the softball team. She's trying to get a scholarship to college and needs to put in all the time. She could be super strong and super fast, but that's not going to help with technique. And she's also worried about her relationship with her teammate that saw her transform or get her powers. And then she also works to barista the job after school, which is super demanding, of course.
6: So this is Kyle and I'm playing the doomed. His name is ian anna or ian anna and he goes by the superhero name of cowl easiest description for ian is that he's depressed i think he realizes that his doom is coming upon him faster than he thought it would be and he is uh, not dealing with that very well. He's a superhero, so he has telekinesis, body transmutation, and vitality absorption, largely gifts that are related to his doom, and it's all connected and tied into the descent of Inanna into the underworld to confront the dread demon lord Ereshkigal from Sumerian Babylonian myths, and the dread demon lord Arash Kagal is also Ian's nemesis uh, and happens to be his aunt. He has a sanctuary, which is kind of cool. I've never played this Doomed book before, so the coolness of the sanctuary comes with an assistant, and that assistant's name is Enkidu from uh, the who is the assistant to Gilgamesh in the same, uh, the same religion. And yeah, so the sanctuary is this place where he can go and reflect upon his powers and has a bunch of valuable tombs that he's never read and a scattering of ancient relics that he's never handled— because the downside of the sanctuary is that it draws dangerous attention, and it's intricately tied to his doom. He's known about this terrible thing that's befalling him since birth. He's had this sanctuary because it's the only thing that was left to him from his family. He opposes Ereshkigal because she heralds the end of days, and the team is so important to Ian because this group of four others embodies hope, and they. Are also a group of people that know him personally uh, beyond his superhero nature and status, and he hopes that they will carry remembrances of him when he is gone.
1: And then what brings your doom closer?
6: His doom is brought closer when he overexerts himself or shows mercy. I figure I'm going to do both of those things a lot in this session, so (laughs) might as
1: well. I'm here for it. Alright, so now that we know who everyone is, we get to talk about when the team first came together. Jane! Yeah? When the team first came together, you fought a terrible enemy from your old life. Who was it, and what did they take from you
3: this is like the first time i tried to fight as a hero instead of a villain i can periodically go and check in on villains from my previous career so maybe one of them is mad at me because i switched sides that makes sense i'm wondering if if it's loveless who is mad at me maybe i used to have a motorcycle and she stole my motorcycle
1: (laughs) all right so you all fought loveless who's Special powers are cosmic artifacts, so that sounds like a very dramatic fight. And in the process, uh, Vitriol's motorbike got stolen. Corvus, the team discovered you during the incident, and thanks to them, you reached the outside world and helped in the fight. Where and how did they find you, and who gave you your first nickname?
2: I think it would make sense for Loveless to have been terrorizing the university where Dr. Thea's office is, and... Before I had fully mastered a humanoid form, I was probably kept there and studied and tried to establish communication and all that fun stuff. So I was just a shifting sphere of electromagnetic radiation and computer programming, you know, puberty stuff. (laughs) The fight probably found its way through Dr. Thea's office and they found a weird and curious mass of em waves which took in the team and assembled a form that vaguely resembles these teenagers and offered to help however she could the question is who gave me my first nickname that feels like either a reformed or a janice thing I think her name Emma came from the professor's 6-year-old child pulsar looking at EM delta and saying, "No, that says Emma. I know what my letters are." <laughs> <laughs> that's
3: cute. <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind would be Sparky as like a off-the-cuff nickname, which is probably that it could be what Jane calls you, but I don't know if that's like that. the first one. Okay. <laughs> Sparky works <laughs> because you are made of sparks.
1: So the next question then is the Januses. When the team first came together, you all saved the life of someone important that was someone important either to the city or
5: to the team. Who was it and why are they important? I feel like since we just came together, it's probably someone important to the city. I want to say someone in government, but not like the head, like whoever's in charge of access to archival records and that sort of thing. I don't know what you would call that position
2: so like the city clerk
5: i feel like it would straddle the line between important to the city and important to us for like we may not know them personally but like you don't when you think of someone important to the city you don't immediately think like archival clerk but it is like a city position and i've decided to make a thing because there are all these ages of superheroes there is a big archive the history of like superheroes and what they've done good and bad, and, like, over all the years. And that's, like, a huge city thing, which is super important because, like, we're kind of known for superheroes. And so we saved the life of the, like, person in charge of that. If anyone has name suggestions, we've already established I'm not good at names. How
6: about the Archivist?
5: I'm cool with that. They can be a very
1: mysterious figure. Okay, so you all saved the Archivist, who manages this giant archive of hero stuff for the city next is the doomed you paid a high cost for victory what was it
3: i think it was a teammate if that works i have a thought it could be the teammate that jane is replacing sure (laughs) i'm gonna say
6: it was my crush they were a member of the team and they are no longer a member of the team and some people on the team might think she's dead or they are dead but that might not actually be the case. It might be that bad things happened with regards to their fate. Okay. Um, <laughs>
0: that can was you a give very a... high-pitched
6: okay. <laughs> 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 I don't like
1: that okay now. I have ideas. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Does this person have a name? No reason. No
5: reason. You got to name everybody.
6: It's <laughs> very true. I'll come up with that name. Give me a moment.
5: Yeah. Do we need to figure out, like, how well the rest of us knew this person? Part of this here, what
1: I'm thinking about is just because this is normally, like, when the team first came together, which is really your iteration of the team. So I think we've kind of established that this is Jane's first time, like, this incident's Jane's first time with the team and Emma's first time with the team. So I don't know, like, were the other three of you, like, kind of a, like, pseudo-team already or, like, what that looked like?
6: Yeah, I think I had a team I had put together that incorporated some of the members of this group and uh, as we all came together in this moment to save the archivist viper and left field were all working with us and we met corvus at this time but we were also working with unnamed super hot man i liked them superhero and that person's gone now that's up to vitriol as to whether or not she had already been part of the group by the time this has happened
3: or and then replaced i'm gonna say their name is chance Ooh, chance nice is that they're their person name and their superhero? Yes. Man. I like it. <laughs> I kind of think at that point, Vitriol was busy like blowing up whaling vessels or something. How you do? I think Chance had powers of probability. Nice. Okay. My sense is that Vitriol has not met Chance, uh, but is aware that she's a little bit stepping into their spot.
2: Well, Chance was lost during the fight with Lovelace. Yes. So we've all at least tangentially met Chance.
1: Yes. Okay.
6: Yeah, that makes
2: sense.
1: And chance's fate is a question mark. (laughs)
6: Yes. (laughs) They're gone from the team either way.
1: Okay. And so then our final question is for the protege. Viper, we stuck together after all was said and done. Why? And how did the team keep in contact?
4: Cal, myself, left field, and Chance came together to fight Lovelace here. And after Chance died, the three of us left behind, like we were really torn up. But also with Emma and Vitriol, I saw the potential to make a new team. And I gave everybody communicators and key cards to my secret hideout tower and i offered them i I, i'm just letting them know that i i found I, i see a lot of potential in all of us working together and training together in the future to prevent the loss of another colleague
1: i like it so in summary when the team first came together you all thought lovelace who was a little mad about vitriol switching sides And Vitriol's motorcycle got stolen in the process. You all also met Emma during this. You found her in Dr. Thea's lab. And Vitriol was the one who gave her the first nickname of Sparky. During this process, the archivist, who is a mysterious figure who manages the city's big shiny superhero archives, was at the university for some reason, and you all were able to save them. However, during this process, there was another young hero there that had been working with a few of you before, Chance, who has probability control. And uh, Chance was lost to fate somehow. This was necessary for the fight to be won. It's questionable whether they died or what happened to them, but you definitely lost them. And when all was said and done, Viper was able to bring everyone back together by giving them all access to his secret base and using the good old power of the protégé to tell everybody, hey, we should work together. We get our cover Across the top, we see Masks, a new generation, the Carnival of Champions. We see on this cover... A aerial shot on the outside of Halcyon City, where in the fairgrounds, a large carnival circus has been set up. There is a midway with all of the food and fair games you could think of. There is a big top circus tent. There are all of those thrill rides that I'm sure are very safe and are not just being held together by duct tape and sheer willpower. And of course, there are a couple of stages where some bands are performing. It's early evening and the sky's just starting to get dark. So you got that real nice light up effect going on across the fairgrounds. And we open to our first panel. Our heroes are having a day at the carnival. What is everyone doing at the carnival right now?
3: Oh, that's a very good question. That is a very good question. I'm trying to think of what carnival games I can cheat at with my geokinesis powers.
1: toss. You could probably do the uh,
3: big hammer thing. I was wondering about the hammer thing, which of course I should probably know the name of. The the strength test. Yes. I am melting. Oh no. <laughs> just like a little bit. <laughs> using my, my acid control abilities to shoot. Into the, that's the one with the balloon on the top that eventually pops.
1: Ah, okay.
3: And then splashes acid everywhere. <laughs> I don't think the balloon has water in it. No? I don't know. Basically, <laughs> Vitrielle is cheating at uh, at all of the carnival games that she thinks she can get away with cheating at. Um. <laughs> Cowell is standing next
6: to Corvus with a pair of hot corn dogs with some hot mustard drizzled on, and it's just offering one to Corvus.
2: Corvus is staring at the corn dog curiously because it doesn't look remotely like food, and also she can't eat anything. Exactly. <laughs>
6: Cowell's like, but you could try one somehow, right?
2: Cowell, I possess no mouth, nor any other internal organs
6: with which to digest food. A body's gotta eat.
5: Leftfield is eating cotton candy and surveying the games to see... Which one she could perform really well at without officially cheating.
4: Viper is also playing that balloon game with vitriol, but he's trying really hard to beat her legit <laughs> and getting really, really frustrated. <laughs> um, and like say it un, under his breath, he's like, You gotta stop
3: cheating. As soon as like the person who's running the carnival stall like looks away, she does like a little trick shot, does like a loop loop with the with the acid and then hits like three balloons at once.
1: only two of them actually pop i
3: mean it would have been impressive
4: (laughs) the other one that she tried to pop like i I see it coming and i I throw the dart and hit that third one (laughs) before it gets there
1: i would have got it too though yeah i'm I'm gonna ahead and just give that one to you because i I, I like that little scene (laughs) so we have that scene of all of you enjoying your carnival games or telling people why you can't eat food (laughs) (laughs) and it seems to be a relatively good Evening so far. There's like a really cheerful air here at the carnival. Lots of people. It's definitely like a Saturday or a Friday night, so it's real busy. Anybody who is anybody is probably here and enjoying the festivities.
6: Can I add that there's a panel, like a little corner cut panel at the bottom of the page of a garbage can with two uneaten corn dogs in it? <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs>
1: Cal didn't even eat his own corn dog? No. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah, and as we turn from that corner cut panel, in the next panel, we get a shot that's kind of along the tops of the game booths, and we see a shadow on top of one of those booths. Fitchreel, would you like to try your hand at ring toss?
3: Sure. Can I move the rings with my geo kinesis? <laughs> or the sticks that I'm trying to throw at like just nudge them a little bit
1: yeah go ahead and give me an unleash your powers roll to see how your uh, you cheating at ring toss goes that is plus freak
3: <laughs> so that is a 12 plus whatever my face you
1: rolled a 12 i rolled a 12
3: it's a 14
1: <laughs> yep <laughs> this is even better than okay so you have 10 rings Nine of them, you land fine. And the tenth, when you toss it, lands like standing up on its side on top of one of the little sticks balanced perfectly. And the gentleman who is running the stall just kind of looks at that curiously and Turns back to you, Vitrol and goes, well, I don't know who'd believe that. What do you think the chances of that are? Anyways, what prize do you want?
3: <laughs> I think I'm in the market for a giant fluffy unicorn.
1: He kind of grumbles a little bit as he gets the giant fluffy unicorn <laughs> down. All their games are rigged. You're not supposed to be able to win one of these, but it, it, people are watching. He can't really fight you on it. Of course.
3: I would never cheat.
1: Of course not. <laughs> you can't just
3: accuse people of
1: cheating. <laughs> He hands across the unicorn, and as he, like, turns around to recollect the rings off of the ring toss, we see on the panel the ring tip and, like, slide back down onto that peg perfectly. But Vitryl, you didn't do anything to make that happen.
3: I, of course, just go, all right, that's because I'm great. It's a little weird. All right, nerds, what game do we want to try next?
5: What are the chances that you would manipulate our rings, Vitriol, so that we could also win?
3: Not so loud with the guy next to us, but I could could be persuaded.
4: We could all get fluffy unicorns.
2: So as the newborn, Emma has lessons that guide all of her behaviors, and one of them is to always share your knowledge. So I think she pipes up and says, (laughs) given that Vitriol has cheated at every game they've participated in so far today, the chances are very well that they would assist other people in cheating too.
3: (laughs) Not so loud. I don't cheat. I have won all of my prizes legitimately. Here, Sparky, give you this. If you'll uh, not say the word with the CH in it so loud, and I hand over the unicorn.
2: Emma has trouble holding things, because she's just <laughs> electromagnetic radiation. Sorry. So it kind of hovers in and out of where her arms are projected to be, but it's there.
5: <laughs> I mean, I guess that works.
6: Cowell's in the back of the pack, his hands push into his hoodie and his head down. He mumbles something.
1: What does he mumble? What do we see on that panel?
6: Yeah, so it's like really, really tiny, and then there's a little asterisk, and then down at the very bottom of the page, it's like, it has to be games of chance, doesn't it? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I, Kyle, feel like I'm going to earn potential every time I get somebody to say, aw, this game.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Vipers not really getting into the whole uh, cheating thing, and uh, he's just wanting to just be mindful of his, his surroundings.
1: Oh, yeah. That sounds like a move.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. Are you assessing the situation trying to figure out what's going on here?
4: I'm just looking for something if, if anything's out of place.
1: Go ahead and roll with superior.
4: That's really high. 13.
1: Okay. So on a 10 plus, you get to ask two questions. So with the be mindful of your surroundings move, that's for like before entering into a fight oh okay not like entering into a fight i'm cool to go ahead and give you the additional question just because it's a one shot and i'm kind of fast and loose with rules anyways so technically you can ask three questions
4: oh okay what is the biggest threat and what here is the the greatest danger
1: if you want to hold on the last one, I can answer the first two. So what you notice, Viper, is that as you're kind of like being mindful of your surroundings, you see that shadow that we saw a couple of panels back moving along the top of the game stalls. And you notice that like, it seems like they're portaling around it's like the path they're taking doesn't follow like a linear motion and they're clearly up to something you can't tell quite what yet but they are definitely the biggest threat as to what here is in the greatest danger i think it is actually vitriol you seem to notice that this shadow is tracking on her a lot
4: Okay, what here can I use to get on to have a good vantage point on the shadow and vitriol for looking out?
1: There's a couple of options. There is like the House of Mirrors is slightly taller than most of the things around here and it's kind of on the edge of the midway so you'd get a nice view. You could go ride the Ferris wheel. <laughs> <laughs> And the other really obviously tall structure is the big top circus tent.
4: I'm gonna walk over to Cal and because he was just he was just uh, murmuring to himself, I'm gonna say there's something not right here. I'm gonna go get a, on on the 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 House of Mirrors and try and see if I could see what's going on.
6: Yeah, that's cool. All
4: right. And right, I'm gonna slip away and uh, were we in our casual clothes? Up to you. Well, I was in my casual clothes and I'm gonna slip away and wait. Costume is did on.
6: You, like, want me to? come with you or just let everyone know that you're just gone or leave comms open yeah i'm calm it's fine no <laughs> communication well why would we turn them... okay i turn to emma and i'm like it's just a thing he says i don't really know what it means
4: <laughs> and yeah I go, I go up
1: all right so as Viper is going on his own little side mission. What is everyone else doing? It seems like both Cal and Emma are aware that Viper is uh, sneaking off somewhere to go stand on top of the house of mirrors. I
3: think Vitriol is still just having fun because she kind of, you know, hasn't really had like a group of friends before. So she's like, hey, this is great. Like, let's go cheat (laughs) at some more games. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, play some more games.
1: I lo- think that, like, in the background of every single one of Vitriol's panels, there has been a sign that says that using your powers at games is against the rules. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's a shame I don't have any conditions because I just wipe all of them off just by cheating <laughs> in all these games. <laughs> Using my blowing off steam move for those playing along at home.
5: Well, I mean, if we can find that one where you throw a baseball at cans, I feel like I could give us a pretty good chance. Oh, yes, definitely oh, yeah. you find the game with the milk cans and the baseballs.
1: Definitely not rigged and none of these are glued <laughs> down, I promise.
5: See, normally that might be an issue, but with this... <laughs> Super strength that I cannot control in any way, shape, or form. I really don't think it's going to be a problem.
1: I just like rolls to kind of see how these things happen. Do you want to roll to unleash your powers and see how you're... uh... Sure. All right, we get this panel of the softball leaving left field's hand.
5: So I rolled a four. Um... (laughs) And then a minus one, so three. All right, so we
1: are teenagers. We learn from our mistakes, marked potential. We get that panel of, you know, the ball leaving left field's hand. And it's like the next couple of panels, the ball just busts through the gutters between the panels (laughs) and slams (laughs) through the milk jugs like through the back of the stall, like there is like a hole in the back flap of the tent, and the person working the stall just kind of looks at it, looks back at left field, and just taps
5: the no power <laughs> sign. <laughs> um, I'm just kind of putting my hands up and, you know, I'm like, I can't control it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, wasn't on purpose. I'll fix your tent, maybe, maybe bye and then just kind of run like to the nearest stall that is out of this guy's line of sight um so
1: viper back from your vantage point i'm assuming you've made it on top of the house of mirrors at this point
4: oh yeah very nimble
1: you see left field dart through the crowd and the stall that she goes under right as she steps into that stall the shadowy figure appears on top of that stall. And you see, like, their emotions stop. And that's, like, the most still you've seen them so far. Like, they're considering something.
4: What's the stall that she's under?
1: It's a street magician's (laughs) stall. (laughs) (laughs) Like, somebody who's going to be doing, like, card tricks and, like, you know, makes balloon animals. And, like, it's like a performer's stall.
4: I'm going to say over communications to everybody. Everybody, get to left field at the magician's stall. There's a
2: magician's stall at the left side of the carnival? <laughs>
5: What's up?
4: Vitriol
3: says to the person whose game we just broke, you should see her play softball and then leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
4: say follow Cal and I'm going to work my way down and, and head that way too. Maybe something cool like gliding down a, one of those ropes.
1: All right, so Cal is parkouring his way over there. <laughs> <laughs> Does Emma actually walk around? Is she still holding on to the unicorn?
2: (laughs) Emma could simulate walking, but she's really just floating around. And I think she's going to pass by a small child who looks at the unicorn with big sparkly eyes and just hand it to them. And keep going because it's very difficult to keep holding (laughs) this thing. Oh the thoughtful gift.
1: (laughs) This a small child yells, Thank you, strange purple lady, after you. Left field, as you like duck into the stall that's out of the other stall's line of sight, the magician is standing in there and he just started up a show. And it's mostly, you know, like little kids who can't quite tell the difference between superhero magic and street magic who are in here right now. He says he's going to pull flowers out of the hat, but then pulls, like, a real live bunny. Like, it's fine, but you can tell by the look on his face that he wasn't expecting to, like – you get that moment of, like, wait, what just happened – before he recovers and like starts making jokes of oh you know all the magicians we uh we always have cards up our sleeves and like joking around uh, like showmanshiping it off but yeah that that's weird and highly unlikely for a magician who is a street magician to pull a rabbit out of a hat when he wasn't expecting to
5: up until this point i just kind of been standing in the little tent thing and so when i see that i just kind of slip into like one of the rows of the folding chairs that have been set up. And I kind of stick out among all the kids, but I'm just trying to keep watching and see where this goes.
1: So who is the next one to make it to the tent? I think Vitriol left off first.
4: Yeah. Viper was parkouring off of the House of Mirrors.
1: Okay, so Vitriol, you uh, make it there next, I think, then. Vitriol, I need you to answer a question for me. What's something that you just inherently associate with uh, Lovelace?
6: Their motorcycle. (laughs)
3: <laughs> i mean yeah i'd probably get a get a hint if i saw my motorcycle but <laughs> i'm picturing the sound that like a differential engine would make like the ancient ancient steam powered computer kind of idea the sound that that would make of like clicking like an abacus or something oh yeah that was just like a bunch of tiles yeah spinning around right yeah that's kind of what i'm what i'm thinking
1: yeah so as you like step into this tent the magician has had like a boombox going has like been playing music and stuff and it cuts out and like stutters that noise for a moment before it just goes back to normal and again he's a decent showman he does this for a living he plays it off but you definitely, like, notice it.
3: Hmm. I don't exactly put it on, but I just kind of get out the gas mask that I use when I'm fighting. And I kind of have it ready to put on.
5: All right. Out of the corner of my eye, I kind of see Vitriol do this. So the part of me that's like, hmm, what's going on has just intensified a bit.
1: All right. And then I think Cal, Viper, and Corvus, you all make it there at roughly the same time. He's wrapping up his show. and The tent flats are open, so even if you haven't stepped into the tent yet, like, you see this happen. And he's like, and for my grand final trick, I'm going to make this apple. And there's, like, an apple on, like, a little table next to him. And he's like, I'm going to make this apple disappear. And he pulls out, like, that really dramatic, like, black and white wand (laughs) that you get in magician's kits. Circles it around a little bit and taps the apple. And when he taps the apple, the apple does in fact disappear, as does the table and the gentleman. And all the kids like gasp and like there's a lot of delighted cheering. But you could tell by the tent setup and stuff that, hey, this guy doesn't have powers and B, there's nowhere for him to have disappeared. It's not like like the tent is set up on the ground. There's no like trap door. It's definitely highly unlikely.
2: Emma's going to applaud, but her hands don't make clapping sounds. So she's doing clapping motions and projecting the audio track of clapping, which are not synced up. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I think Joy is like actively looking for where this guy could have gone because he's clearly not. Like you said, he's not hes a superhero, but Joy is also very bad at like picking up on how tricks are done. So she's just kind of half curious, half suspicious. It sounds like you might be assessing the situation. My superior is zero and a nine.
1: Okay, so on a seven to nine, you get to ask one
5: question. Okay, then I'm going to say what here is the biggest threat.
1: As you are looking around trying to figure out where this man could have gone, you see shadow starting to pool where he disappeared. Like, the kids and their parents are all getting up and leaving. Like, the tent is emptying pretty quickly. But, like, you see that shadow starting to form and... There is a form that's starting to step out of it. And whoever is coming up out of that shadow is the biggest threat. What's y'all doing? <laughs> wow. It's a real dramatic panel.
4: Hey team, this shadow, I've been I've been watching it. It was following vitriol and now it's focused on left field.
3: It's loveless. Vitriol says putting her mask on. How do you know? I know. I'd know that noise anywhere. At the mention
2: of Loveless, Emma is going to offer. Fun fact. Ada Lovelace was the inventor of the computer. Her husband, Charles Babbage, was the inventor of the cost overrun.
6: <laughs> you always know such interesting things.
1: <laughs> all right. So a shadowy figure has formed in front of you. And who's the closest still? Probably left field? Probably. Starting to advance on left field rather quickly. What do you all want to do?
4: As soon as I got done saying what I was saying, I wanted to take off. Towards left field and try and get in between them.
1: All right. I think you are defending someone.
4: It's a seven.
1: On a hit, you keep them safe. So you're able to move and intercept and you get in between left field and whoever this mysterious shadow figure is.
4: Okay. I'd like to add to the team pool.
1: All right. So we're up to two team in the pool then. But on a seven to nine, it costs you. You can either expose yourself to danger or escalate the situation. Which would you like?
4: Let's escalate the situation.
1: So how you escalate the situation here is that you move in between left field and the shadow figure, but the rest of you notice that somebody else is following Viper, and Vitriol. you would most definitely recognize the person who is moving after him as Loveless. Hmm. And I feel like we're about to have a villain fight, Would Would we all agree to
3: this? It seems like that's the direction we're going, yeah.
1: You are sandwiched between a shadowy figure and a (laughs) lovelace. But I'll wait for people to start throwing punches to do our team mechanic.
5: (laughs) 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 Vitriol, I have a question. Can you touch the shadows? Is that safe? Would you know?
3: I don't think I recognize the shadows as specifically something that Loveless uses. I just know that it's Loveless because of the sound that I heard earlier. I mean, I think you
6: asked real, but if you want to touch the shadows, I think only
3: the shadows know. (laughs) I kind of want to like earthbend a rock at Loveless and just while I'm doing that shout, what do you want?
1: Okay, I want you to directly engage a threat first. Okay. As you're throwing a rock at her. Plus danger.
3: I got a total of five. (laughs) We're doing
1: great. (laughs) Don't forget to mark potential for failed rolls. All right. You earthbend this rock and like you go to throw it at Loveless and she doesn't even look at you, doesn't even acknowledge your existence. And it's really weird because it's like your rock hits some invisible barrier and bounces back at you and hits you square in the chest. I'd like you to go ahead and mark a condition. How are you feeling about this? I think
3: first insecure. All right. I want to step in front of
6: the shadowy person. And Cowell says, what do you want? Shadows. We saw what you did already. Making the magician disappear. Making left field. Throw her ball really, really hard. So far that she didn't expect it to go.
5: Shh. I don't think the shadows.
6: I'm saving your face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roll and pierce somebody's mask.
6: Can I provoke instead?
1: What are you trying to get them to do?
6: Whatever they're they're going to do will be done towards me instead.
1: (laughs) Yep, all out. Go ahead and roll to provoke.
6: I'm at zero on superior, so let's see what happens here. I have an eight.
1: Okay. So on a 7 and 9 they can instead choose one they stumble you take plus 140 against them they err you gain a critical opportunity they overreact you gain influence over yeah, them. I'd
6: like influence.
1: Well, I get to make that choice. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
6: That's fair. I'm letting you know what I want. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Correct.
6: Yes, the shadows gets to choose. Only the shadows know.
1: But I am inclined to go with they overreact here anyways. So, What happens is that as you like get all up in their face and you start gaining all of their attention, you see the like shadow on their face slip a little bit and you see Chance's eye before the shadow reforms. I'd like you to roll to take a powerful blow, please. That is a flat 2d6. Well, it's roll plus conditions, but you don't have any conditions marked yet. I have a seven. Ooh, seven. Okay. So on a seven to nine, you can choose one. You lash out verbally, provoke a teammate to foolhardy action, or take advantage of your influence to inflict a condition. You give ground, your opposition gets an opportunity, or you struggle past the pain and mark two conditions.
6: I feel like I like to overexert myself, so I'm just going to mark two conditions.
1: Nice. And, you know, go ahead and mark your doom track <laughs> while you're at it. <laughs> it's a one shot. Let's bring on the doom.
6: I'm going to now feel ridiculously guilty and also hopeless.
1: Oh, hey. And at this point, I would say it sounds like we're entering battle against a dangerous foe as a team. Mm-hmm. So who do you all think your leader is?
3: I think it's Viper. I was also thinking Viper.
1: I think it's Viper.
4: It's mitrial. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Okay, so Viper, do you have influence over everyone?
4: I have influence over Cal, Emma, and left field. Okay, so you do not? Okay. But I do have captain as one of my abilities. When you enter battle as a team, add an extra team to the pool and carry plus one forward if you are the leader.
1: Nice, okay. So that's good to know. What is everybody's purpose in this fight?
4: Figure out what they want. Specifically
3: what Lovelace wants for Vitriol, but I'm curious about the shadowy figure too. I have no idea what my purpose in this fight is.
1: All right. So Corvus is just hanging out.
2: <laughs> that's Ada Lovelace. I think I want to go talk to her. She's cool. <laughs> <laughs> She's nice. like my great-great-grandma. <laughs>
4: <laughs> my purpose with the fight would be to try and do like a, like a a team-up move, like use strengths together to to fight against and maybe continue defending.
5: Joy would want to make some sort of significant contribution to the fight, which in this particular case, I think she's kind of looking out to see if her substance mimicry extends to these shadows
6: Cowell has a lot he wants out of this fight <laughs> he wants the team to come together he wants everybody to remember him so do something memorable but he also wants to gain some sort of closure or answer to the question of what happened to chance
1: Right, so we do not all have the same purpose in the fight. Nope. Does anybody mistrust the leader or the team? Oh, the
3: team as a whole, not just one member of the team?
1: If you mistrust one member of the team, then you probably don't trust the team. <laughs> well,
3: I, I feel like I might be the target of that mistrust. <laughs> oh, Emma trusts everyone
2: implicitly.
4: <laughs> Viper trusts everybody. He believes that Vitriol is trying to do good.
5: Joy... May not fully trust Vitriol personally, but in a fight, she trusts her to like have her back and stuff.
4: I trust everyone. These are my friends.
5: Vitriol, do you trust
1: the team?
3: They're part of the reason I'm not a supervillain anymore, so I trust them.
1: And then is your team ill-prepared or off balance? Yes.
2: I don't think we have any idea what's going on, and we all have very different objectives here. That's fair. (laughs)
1: That will bring you down to adding two team to the pool instead of three. Viper, you can mark a condition if you want to not have to remove that team for the team being ill-prepared or off-balance, and instead add three team to the pool.
4: Okay, yeah, I'll take the condition guilty, because it's my fault that the team wasn't prepared.
1: You all have a very healthy five team in the pool then. It's a good place to be. You all just saw a human-looking face that is maybe familiar to a few of you. Under the shadows before they reformed, Ada Lovelace is here and moving towards Viper, and Cal is standing strong somehow through a lot of pain. What are you all doing?
4: I know what I'm doing. I want to use Ben reading the files with the intention of finding out what the shadow is with Would- just knowing the, the just chance's eyes.
1: Roll plus superior.
4: That's an eight.
1: On a hit, tell the team one important detail you've learned from your studies. The GM will tell you what, if anything, seems different from what you remember. So what do you know about shadow people who also look like people you know underneath the shadow?
4: The shadow takes the form of the person that would like most cut through to you. And since Cow had initiated with the shadow, it use that to affect him
1: so what seems different to you is from your research it's only been about the shadow taking on the form but there have been a lot of really improbable events happening so it seems like the shadows also pulled on chance's powers somehow
4: oh okay
1: corvus left fielder vitriol i feel like it's been a bit since i've heard from one of you doing something maybe corvus Are you doing... (laughs) Your great-grandmother
2: is... (laughs) My great-grandmother's right here. I'm going to go say hi. (laughs) Yeah, Corvus is going to, like, dissolve her human form into strings of coke code and stream across the tent in front of Ada Lovelace and be like, Miss Lovelace, I'm such a huge fan of yours. You made the computer. I used to be a computer.
1: (laughs) I love Emma. She's great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel like this is a provoke. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Unless you're trying to hit a newborn move, but (laughs) otherwise.
2: Nope, not any that I have. (laughs) Alright, well, I rolled a 12.
1: Wow. Ooh
2: and my superior is plus two, so that's a 14. Dang.
1: My understanding is you went over here because, like, you want to talk to her, basically? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You get her to stop in her tracks. Have you reformed into, like, the human-esque form, or are you just, like, a ball of code right now?
2: She's reformed into her human-esque form. I think she's now in her hero form, which is... Very akin to the EM waveform of Mega Man from Mega Man Star Force for the Game Boy DS. Shout out to anyone who's played those games. They're amazing and I love them. She looks very Mega (laughs) Man-esque.
1: Yeah, Loveless stops and like looks at you and goes like, full on, I like technology geek mode. (laughs) You, you are... wow that's that's like fascinating <laughs> and like you see her pulling a little tablet computer off of her utility belt it looks a little strange because it's made out of like moon rock or something Ooh. but she's starting to boot up some diagnostic test or something it's like a scanner that's like she's like pointing towards you kind of using this tablet computer thing.
2: <laughs> and I think while she's there, I'm just gushing like your work on the difference engine was integral to computing as a whole and just a sign of things to come in the future. And I'm just so very proud that I get to meet you.
1: And like she's looking at her little tablet and has <laughs> just been completely thrown off. But it's like, this is this is fascinating. Why are you what are your feelings on capitalism? <laughs> I do
2: not yet fully understand capitalism. (laughs) Economics was not one of the topics within the supercomputer database when I was created, nor is it suitably covered on Sesame Street, which I watch with my young friend Pulsar.
1: Right, right, right. What are the rest of you doing as Corvus has managed to like somehow like completely swerve Loveless (laughs) into some conversation? (laughs)
4: Shadow creature's still there, though. I did share my information on the shadow creatures with everybody. Over the comms? Yeah. I always use the comms.
3: <laughs> in response to the question of capitalism, in the background, in response, uh, Vitriol shouts, it sucks, and then <laughs> starts shooting acid at the uh, shadow creature.
1: Unrolled a am rolled directly engage a threat.
3: Don't kill me now. it uh, would be a nine. Plus danger is 11
1: on a hit you trade blows on a 10 plus you can pick two
3: i think impress surprise and frighten and create an opportunity
1: all right but you did not choose to resist or avoid their blows yeah why not life short exactly as your acid hits this creature you see the color of the shadow change from like that kind of dark inky black to like an oil slick almost and the facsimile of the creature's face like looks a little concerned and they turn their whole focus onto you and you shoot the acid out of a tank on your back right yeah it springs a leak oh boy i'd like you to roll to take a powerful blow because he did not this to avoid their blows. And they're using their <laughs> weird probability power to just, hey, congratulations, your well-maintained tank has a spring in a leak.
3: What are the odds?
1: Exactly. Chance would know.
3: <laughs> Six plus condition is seven. I'm going to lash out verbally and say,
1: cowl now, go for it. Roll to provoke, because... At least I assume that's what you're doing, is provoking Cal to jump into this fight.
3: Yeah, that's a plus superior. That is a great stat for me.
1: Best stat. You do have influence over Cal, though, so you get an uh, extra plus one. Oh, nice.
3: And that's a ten. Then.
1: how this works is that you get both of the options and i refer to these options as the carrot or the stick so cal if you do go ahead and jump into the fight you will get to add a team to the pool that is the carrot that is the tempting thing if you don't do it then you're going to mark a condition that is the stick so you can still get to make your choice it's just that both choices have a side effect now
6: i'm gonna just mark a condition and become insecure because he didn't really tell me what to do or how to do it. (laughs) He just told me to get in there. That's fair.
1: As Cal is kind of locked up on what to do, left field or viper, this shadow creature is completely focused on vitriol right now and guard is down in your direction. Are either of you going to take advantage of that opportunity?
5: I want to try and get close enough to touch it so that I can try and mimic it and, and throw it off its guard.
1: This feels like you're unleashing your powers because you're trying to use your substance mimicry right Mm -hmm. go ahead and roll with freak
5: ah my minus one love that for me i have rolled a seven in total
1: can either mark a condition or the gm will tell you how the effect is unstable or temporary
5: why don't you go ahead and tell me as you touch this shadow creature at
1: first your hand kind of moves through it feels sticky similar to slime but then you feel someone and how this is unstable or temporary is I think we see on the panel that like half of your form shifts into this weird shadow creature and the other half is kind of starting to look like chance. Interesting, Which definitely confuses the creature. Okay. Do they respond in some way? It doesn't say anything, but they feel you touch them, and they turn around to like look at you, and they kind of stumble back a little bit.
5: Okay.
2: Corvus, how's your conversation with Loveless going? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going amazing. It might be totally <laughs> one-sided while Loveless just gains every speck of data there is on Corvus, <laughs> but she's happy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Loveless has been asking you, like, increasingly pointed questions to, like, figure out what your motives are.
2: My lesson is to always share your knowledge, so I am answering every single question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you have your own free will. Like, what are you doing here? What do you want to do? Yes,
2: I am completely sentient. I have passed the Turing Test and the Turing Test Mark II, which they made because they thought the Turing Test was not stringent enough and that I actually wasn't sentient, which was kind of rude to them to do in retrospect. But it's too late to complain about it now. I'm here with my friends. They're currently fighting some sort of shadow creature.
1: Do you do this hero thing a lot?
2: That would depend on your definition of a lot. I've only been around for 0.823 Earth years, so the grand timeline of my life, I've probably been heroing for two out of the ten months.
1: Okay, so... Why don't you come work with me? I think you would make a great addition to my team. You're clearly a very smart, capable lady, and I see no reason why you should keep just following the prescribed path. Loveless is trying to use her influence over you to up your superior and down your savior.
2: (laughs) Cool. So my superior is now a three and my savior is a negative one. My eyes turn into literal star shapes like... Really, I could work with you. Yeah, I mean, I do have a curfew, so I would have to be back by ten forty p.m. every night.
1: That's an oddly specific time. You see, the issue with things like this, and she gestures around to like the carnival in general, is that they facilitate a lot of unnecessary waste. I mean, somebody threw away two perfectly good corn dogs covered in hot <laughs> mustard earlier.
2: I fail to see anything good about corn dogs.
1: Well, not corn dogs themselves. Food in general is a necessary fuel for humans. And to just throw it away like that, just, it's very wasteful. This whole thing, I mean, toys that people are going to throw away in five days, and it's just, it's a waste. I see. So if you want to work with me, a great place to start would be to help me end this little festival, so to speak. Patriel, how are you feeling as you can hear your (laughs) old mentor trying to convert the team member who like, always follows your lead and (laughs) thinks you're a great person.
3: (laughs) Petriel just kind of goes, Sparky, don't do it. It's not worth it. Trust me. I mean, you'll wind up where I was.
1: That sounds like a provoke.
3: Okay. I will also I'm trying to think of a serious crime that I can confess to from while I was a villain. You'll be blowing up oil refineries before you know it. That is an eight. And yes, I'm going to remark on the oil rig and also use that to shift my danger up one and another label down.
1: And do you want to give the carrot or the stick? I'm going to go with the stick. Okay. okay. So it sounds like Vitriol's trying to get you to reject your great grandmother <laughs> and not join the crusade of evil in the name of good. It makes sense.
2: I don't think anyone ever used the word evil.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The crusade of questionable decisions, all in the name of good.
2: (laughs) In the name of
3: different questionable decisions. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, before y'all saved me, I was blowing up oil refineries and, you know, the corporations are still bad, but there are more productive ways that don't hurt people and I... Almost hurt some people.
2: Oh, that's not good. We can't hurt people. You must never endanger civilians. Yeah, Loveless don't think that way. Emma's going to look back at Loveless and her face is going to reform (laughs) into the big pleading eye emoji and be like, you don't hurt civilians, do you? There's just a
1: a panel of silence.
2: (laughs) I think I'm trying to pierce her mask.
1: (laughs) Yes, go ahead. Roll to pierce the mask.
2: The bad news is I rolled a four. <laughs> and the worst news is that's a two after I add my negative two oh. mundane. Yikes.
1: Oh, no. Ooh!
6: Can Cowell turn to Vitriol and say, Vitriol, you know that she's just trying to egg you on. There's a reason that you're with us and not with her, and that you belong with us because we're your team. And I'm trying to help him clear that condition of insecurity.
1: I say, that sounds like a comfort or support.
6: And I have rolled a nine.
1: Okay.
6: And I'm wondering, can I spend a team to get to ten?
1: So that's called spending a team selfishly. When you act selfishly, say how your actions ignore or insult your teammates, remove one team from the pool, and shift one label up and one label down. Your choice. So you would move your mundane up and another label down. And this also like, how are you throwing somebody else on the team under the bus by doing this?
6: I feel like I'm throwing Emma under the bus because Emma's actually responding to Lovelace's reactions and and offer. And I'm going to lower my danger and increase my mundane but then i also gain a team or clear a condition on myself and i think that instead of gaining a team i will clear my own insecurity
1: okay quick note vitriol how are are you opening up how are you opening up
3: in response to that or did, did, does yeah. this thing about the oil rig not count <laughs> or a refinery
1: eh, for the sake of the flow of this we'll count the oil rig refinery thing okay what happens is uh you hear As you turn to Loveless, and it's like, you don't hurt civilians, do you? She just smiles a little bit and goes, well, this is disappointing. Let's see how your opinions change. And you feel knowledge like getting uploaded straight to you from the tablet. Of all the bad things people do, like what's happened to the environment in the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, the unnecessary consumption basically what's happening to the planet emma just knows all of this all at once how are you feeling about that
2: wow <laughs> she starts to like visibly sag and like her form gets fuzzy and then resolidifies and then just dissolves from a human form because humanity doesn't seem so great anymore so now she's just Back to an orb oh
1: oh boy
4: i want to attack and, and knock that that tablet out of lovelace's hands
1: all right rolled a directly engage a threat
4: oh uh, that's that's a two
1: oh. <laughs> you go to tackle lovelace, lovelace basically mm-hmm. and you just pass right through her <laughs> It's like a hologram that like flickers as you pass through. Oh. And then she reforms. You get that flicker on the panel of Viper passing through her and as he falls through, she like just looks over her shoulder at you and I thought Cobra was training you to be smarter than that. Mhm. <laughs> Uh, roll the tick powerful blow, please.
4: Okay. That's a new trick.
1: Uh, that is plus conditions marked.
4: Okay, that's a nine. Yeah, I'll mark two conditions. I'll struggle past the pain. All right. And I'm going to take angry. Always a good option. And hopeless.
1: Back over to left field, Cal, and chance the shadow creature. I've just staggered back, and I'm half shadow, half chance. And chance they've staggered back from you as well.
5: Okay. I kind of look down at my hands and see, like one is kind of shadowy and one looks more like a normal person. And I kind of realize what's happened. I'm gonna take a step forward and ask the shadow thing, how does it feel? I don't know if that counts as pierce the mask.
1: Sounds like you're piercing the mask. <laughs>
5: 10 plus 3, so 13.
1: 13. Okay, so on a 10 plus, you get to ask three questions.
5: I'm going to start with what do you intend to do.
1: So you kind of get this feeling on the side of you that's like kind of turned shadowy. This communication is done through more like emotion and abstract thoughts than words or anything. But you can see that whoever this is maybe it's chance maybe it's somebody else you can't quite tell but they want to get away and they want to get off earth so their plan is to hightail it out of here that's what they intend to do
5: how can i get you to do that without hurting anybody they need the opening to do it
1: basically if you're able to get your team to stand down and let them go they will go and not cause any more issues so what do you want me to do they want you to take out loveless they're like scared of her
5: okay
3: can't blame them
5: is viper still by me or is it It's Cal, who's with you okay so i'm gonna turn to Kyle and this shadow thing's not on loveless's side it just wants to get away from all of this it wants us to take down loveless i'm sure like we can probably get it on our side
6: yeah but don't you think it'll take chance with it
5: i mean do you really think that is chance under all of that?
6: I mean, yes, but I also don't feel like we could possibly ever remove Chance from inside it.
5: So then maybe the best thing is to let them go.
6: I don't like any letting anyone go.
5: I know it's hard, but I mean, you love them. So if you can't bring them back, then this is probably the next best thing for them. There isn't a way? We can try. I'm not saying we shouldn't, but what they want right now is to leave and- the way for us to get that is to take down Loveless, which maybe we should focus on that. You're right. I don't know. Do you want to try and ask I mean, I can kind of communicate with them with these the half of me that's shadows. I can try asking them something if you have a question or something you wanna say.
6: Cal goes to respond, but it's someone else's turn.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cal needs time to think. Okay.
3: Did uh, Vitriol hear the phrase, let's take down Loveless?
1: Why not? It's a comic book.
3: Because you do. It's a small tent. You don't need to tell her twice. She immediately just starts doing the. I don't know, I saw something go through Loveless earlier, so I think I'm going to try and assess the situation and figure out where Loveless actually is.
1: Ooh, okay. Roll plus superior.
3: All right. That's a stat I'm very good at. That's the stat I just lowered. <laughs> so i rolled a six that's a minus one <laughs>
1: okay so currently it is a five there are two mate two teammates around you y'all have four team in the pool or we can just fail and have fun with failure because i can make failure fun
3: <laughs> so vitriol kind of like looking around and going where is she where is she can't
2: spell failure without fun
1: <laughs> there's no in and failure <laughs>
2: but there could be there is if it's on your spelling test
1: (laughs) just
4: add a little bit to the r fail near all right so i have an idea
1: one second because i need to finish resolving vitriol's okay okay vitriol what happens is as you're looking around you're kind of backing up against the tent oh boy and you feel somebody grab you from behind the tent flap area and pull you through to the ground. Oh, fun. Well, I'm right here, my old friend.
3: Instinctively, Vitriol like starts to shoot the acid, but the acid tank is kind of busted from earlier.
1: All right, Viper, what's your idea? Does your idea still work Because you just saw your <laughs> um, teammate get no. pulled through the tent?
4: <laughs> <laughs> no. Is the hologram still there?
1: No, I'm going to say that the hologram has disappeared.
4: Okay. Right now... I'm going to stand back up and go over to Emma, who's just a ball right now, right? Yeah. Because I I got supercomputer, and I'm going to basically do the opposite of what Lovelace did and show her all the great things about humans and why we have to protect them to uh, get her back on track.
1: Okay. Roll plus mundane to comfort or support. Uh, You have angry marked though, right? Yes. So it's roll plus mundane minus... Two, because when you're angry, you take a minus two to comfort or support someone. Mm-hmm. But you do get plus
2: one because you have
1: influence over Emma. <laughs> so minus one. Two. Oh! <laughs> Emma, how are you feeling about this? Do you, do you, do you have any ideas on how the, the reaction here goes? It's not great.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think the ball, like, pulses a little and then... Just explodes into code that can go streaming off. She's going home. She's got to talk to her moms.
3: <laughs>
1: this is a lot. <sighs> oh. Oof. Oof. you've been pulled through a tent. Mm-hmm. Your old mentor is standing above you. Your acid tank isn't working. Mm-hmm. You see code streaming out of the tent going who knows where. I think once the acid doesn't work,
3: I might try the earth bending again. I think how it started off as geokinesis and now it's just earth bending.
2: <laughs> I mean that's, that's fine. what earth bending is. I mean yeah. Exactly.
3: It's a fancy name for it, so I'm gonna try and like knock her on her ass with my earth powers. A very small localized super earthquake.
1: Alright, go ahead and roll to directly engage a threat. That
3: is a fifteen. My bad. To <laughs> so
1: you get a pick two
3: I think take their footing from them? And I think I will resist or avoid their blows because I do want to be fresh for the fight.
1: I think you move a little bit faster than her. Mm. So she gets knocked over and her shot back just goes wide. You're pretty easily able to avoid it. And as she goes down, she seems to go down pretty hard, actually. I mean, earthquake, localized earthquake. Mm. She looks up at you kind of, you know, it's like laughing, but that like I'm kind of in pain laughing. (laughs) You know, I never apologize to you for uh, not telling you the truth about that refinery. I'm sorry. No, you're not.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I think as we get that panel, we cut back over to Cal. Cal, do you know what you're gonna what you want to say? When the shadows are shrouding chance, are they actively dangerous to them? Asking because half my body is shadows currently no
1: it's a very like symbiote relationship even if they were directly dangerous to chance which they aren't necessarily it wouldn't necessarily cost the same for you because it's more that you're mimicking the substance than anything and you'll still be able to return your body to normal however you normally return your body to normal it's not going to be like a long lasting thing
3: sort of like venom cowl looks at
6: the shadows over chance And he says, I've made a decision. You may think you know darkness, but I'm the one who's doomed. And you may think you can bend fate, but I'm the one who can't. And he's going to charge the shadow shrouded chance. And he's going to try to use his vitality absorption to take the shadows into himself. Because he already feels guilty about what he's done to chance. And he feels hopeless about his own situation he's just hoping to save his remaining teammates
1: yes okay so i'm of two different minds here cal and i'm as a gm open to maybe you're going for one over the other you are either defending chance or the team or someone here or you are directly engaging a threat to take the shadows from chance
6: hmm i'm defending i think that's It's probably what it is, right? Okay,
1: right. And you did get influence over chance from that overreact provoke earlier, if memory serves me right. So you do get an extra plus one to this.
6: I have an eight on the dice Uh, and plus one to get to nine because I'm plus one on savior and plus one for having influence. So ten.
1: All right. So on a hit, you do it. You can add a team to the pool take influence over someone you protect or clear a condition?
6: Um, Maybe I'll clear my guilty condition.
1: Okay. So what does it look like as Cal takes these shadows onto himself?
6: Yeah. So he rushes forward and because he's got that portal ability where he can mark the doom track to appear in a scene with anyone I want. I want to appear in a scene with the shadows and not chance. (laughs) So he shoulder tackles Chance, pushing her out, and his body flares with this intense red heat that immediately then contracts, pulling the shadows towards him. Because he also has this body transmutation ability, I always felt that it was connected to his cowl and connected to him that the shadows become the corporeal clothing connection to him as he gets lost in them
1: that is cool so sorry did you portal into some meta dimension or are you like still here at the that'll definitely happen
6: mark your doom track to appear in a scene with anyone you want it'll definitely be just me in the shadows
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right on our panel back in the tent we see chance standing there like in their hero get up that they were in during that last fight with loveless and the the street magician reappears (laughs) and i feel like that is a good point to leave cal's story viper and vitriol loveless is down
4: Hmm. i definitely noticed the earthquake so i'm gonna run over so that, that opening in the tent, and I see Vitriol. Is Vitriol standing up now? Yeah, I'm
3: standing over her.
4: Okay, so Vitriol's standing over her, and w- w- what are you What are you doing?
3: I think I'm probably, like, ranting at her and being like, you lied to me, you told me all of these things, and I want my motorcycle back at the very end. <laughs> so you're probably coming in just as I'm <laughs> shouting that, the I want my motorcycle back. But, like, you yeah. can tell I've been going on for a good few
4: minutes. Mm-hmm. I think think of uh, just uh try to capture her take that take that tablet or does she have a tablet the same as the hologram did
1: oh yeah she does it's i mean i think it's probably on the ground at this point since she oh, okay. got knocked down she's not actively fighting back at this point like so if you want to capture her that's definitely an option here
4: yeah that's what i want to do and what do i do All for right.
1: that? <laughs> You just say that you do it. How are you going about doing this?
4: Out of my utility belt, I'm going to pull out some Viper-themed cuffs just to make sure she doesn't have any any other weapons on her.
1: We get some ridiculous panels. It's like in the movies (laughs) when they're like, remove all of your weapons. No, all of them. (laughs) Yeah, It's very much like that as she doesn't fight and... As you are able to capture her, vitriol. Your motorcycle keys are one of the things that are removed off of her mm-hmm. person. Oh, of
3: course. Yeah. Then I'm gonna basically I'm waiting to make sure that she is secured, and then I'm gonna go try to find my bike.
4: Hey, I'm gonna hand you my tablet so you can use uh... a <laughs> LoJack. No, no, <laughs> uh, use a, a camera from the sky, like GPS, find your motorcycle. Oh,
3: nice. Yeah. So, like, while while you're securing her, I'm like trying to find it on the, in the area.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
1: You are able to find it parked back in the area where all of the carnival employees, because, you know, like when there's traveling carnivals, they always set up like a bunch Mm. of trailers and stuff for the people who travel with the carnival. It's back in that area.
3: As soon as she's secure, I'm going to go get it.
1: So we get those panels of Viper doing a job well done and Vitriol getting her motor- Bike back and then we turn and we are in the living room of one Dr Thea who is sitting on the couch watching a movie with her wife Dr Euphemia when Emma appears back home
2: Emma comes streaming in through the window and reforms back into her humanoid form maybe she looks closer to their daughter who's 12ish so she's looking a little younger cuz she's very confused and overwhelmed with everything and she's like I don't know I I where it's I'm supposed to not endanger people but people are endangering people and they're causing damage but they're also good but they're also bad and I don't know why just why when I approach my creator or caretakers with a problem, tell them what obstacle I face or what I need to achieve, and they'll offer me something, and if I accept their help, they rewrite one of my lessons for me.
1: Dr. Thea looks at you and stands up and even though like, you know, she can't like actually hug you, it's like she's mm-hmm. doing a comforting motion. Something that you just have to keep in mind is that's just part of the beauty of having free will sometimes people make bad decisions and sometimes they make good decisions and that's what makes them human and that's what makes you kind of human too you have the choice to choose and so does everybody else
2: well leans into the hug which causes her to kind of phase into dr thea a little bit and she says like i don't want to make bad decisions how do i not make bad decisions
1: All you can do is learn from the decisions you make and keep striving to make better ones. And I know you, Emma. I know you can do it.
2: Miss Loveless is not a very nice person, I think.
1: No. No, she's not.
2: So do you want to give me a lesson or change one of my lessons?
1: A superhero should admit to their mistakes and learn from them.
6: Cool. And also just eat the corn dog. (laughs) (laughs) I am
2: unable to eat
4: anything. But especially corn dogs. (laughs) Yeah, I would think Viper would ask, where's Cal?
5: It's complicated. The best I can tell, he did something to take the shadows from Chance, but he took them into himself. I don't know, but everything that the shadows took has returned. So Chance, the magician, the rabbit, everything, it's all come back. But I don't know how he did it, and I don't know if he's coming back.
4: Isn't it always? Might have been his fate.
5: I just, I hate not knowing, you know? Like, there's no closure this way. He's just gone.
4: Maybe we can find him, but for now, we got some training to do. And yeah. failed y'all here, and I'll do my best. I guess you're right. Let's get Loveless to the authorities and let's head back to the hideout.
5: Yeah, we need a better name for that. Maybe that's the next thing on our to-do list.
4: <laughs> hey, let's do it.
5: So I think our closing panel
1: then has a few days later in the upper right hand corner and we see everyone in the hangout talking about training, seeming to have a generally good time. And in Cal's place, there's chance. The end.
0: The intro and outro music for all IPM episodes is composed by Benny James. Our graphic art and logo are by Matthias Grelly. You can support International Podcast Month by sharing and talking about the event, and you can even buy our team members a coffee. Links are in the show notes. Follow us at PodMonth on Twitter and use the hashtag PodMonth2020. Head on over to internationalpodcastmonth.com for the month-long blog and for more information about the event. International Podcast Month, celebrating creators, sharing listeners.